Sing, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Glorious Lord and Coming King. Um, Merry Christmas. We're so close. Uh, if you're new here, we haven't had the pleasure of meeting before. Uh, my name is Zach, and I'm one of the pastors here at Seven Oaks. Uh, just a huge welcome to everyone who's here in the chapel, everyone who's joining us o- online, and those who are also listening or watching to this in the future. Uh, we're glad that each and every one of you is here uh, with us. Uh, before we get into the next part of our Advent sermon series, uh, I want us to, we need to pause, and there's a few announcements I just need to make, some things I want to share with you all. Uh, the first is this. This is an update uh, on one of the young people from our church family. Uh, many of you, I think, will know Jesse Thiessen. Uh, he came to our youth ministry through a friend when he was in grade six, and uh, he's been here ever since. He's served uh, in our children's ministry. He served in our youth ministry. This past spring, he completed a three-year diploma in pastoral theology at Pacific Community uh, College, or sorry, Summit Pacific College. Um, Since then, he has been prayerfully pursuing a position uh, in pastoral ministry. And the update is this. As of December 1st, Jesse has taken up the position of youth pastor at Collingwood Baptist Church in East Vancouver. Amen. Yes. We're we're so excited for Jesse uh, and this opportunity for him to use the gifts that God has given him to serve the Lord. Uh, We uh, encourage you to be praying for Jesse in this. Um, a couple of specific things you can pray for. This position he has is a halftime position. So he's seeking kind of a, a second halftime job that he could have, that that would also enable him to uh, find a place to live in, uh, in East Vancouver. So if you could pray for a second, kind of a second job and also a place to live, uh, he would greatly appreciate that, and we'll pray for that together in a moment. Uh, the second announcement is that the missions committee and the board of elders of our church have approved a short-term missions trip. This August, we are planning on leading a group of students, uh, kind of grade 9 to 12 range, and young adults, to go to Central America, specifically to Costa Rica. We are partnering with an organization called Incalink, and Incalink exists to share the good news of the gospel, uh, and their goal, their vision is to share the gospel with 300 million young people in Latin America. If you're interested in being a part of the team, uh, or you just want some more information, uh, please let me know. Uh, or you can go onto our website, and there's just an, an initial page there. If you go onto our youth or young adult page, there's sub-pages there about the trip. You can get some information there. And also, we'll, in January, we'll be having uh, kind of an informational gathering as well. And uh, in support of the trip, we'll also be doing some fundraising in the months ahead. The last announcement is about fundraising. Um, there is a way that you can participate in fundraising uh, right now. Uh, we have an ongoing youth fundraiser that is a, a bottle drive. Uh, there are two recycling depots here in, in Abbotsford that we've partnered with that if you go in and say that your recycling is for Seven Oaks, uh, they'll put, it, uh, put the funds for your recycling right onto our account. And um, yeah, if you want more information on that, you can go again on our website, on the, the youth tab. At the, if you scroll down, you'll find all the information on that there. Uh, my personal preference from experience is the one on Walsh is the place to go. <laughs> um, if, if you don't, if, if that geography is not an issue for you or getting places is not an issue. Um, also, and some of these funds that we're raising through this, uh, like I said, will go to the Costa Rica trip as well. Um, and I just also just want to say a huge thank you th- to those of you who uh, regularly do uh, bring your bottles there and put them on our account. We 
deeply appreciate that and are thankful for that. And like I said, there will be more uh, fundraising stuff coming in the months ahead. Uh, why don't we just pause for a moment and, and pray together? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, it's, it's good to be together this day. We thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this gathering. We give all glory and honor and praise to your name. Uh, Lord, we want to lift up Jesse Teeson to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, may you fill him. May you guide him and empower him for his new ministry with the young people in East Vancouver. Lord, we also pray that you would be his provision. Provide a second halftime job and a place for him to live in this community where he is ministering. God, for this missions trip in the summer, we give you uh, all of it, Lord. We, we give you the formation of the team. We give you the fundraising. We give you all the planning and preparing. We just give this entire excursion to you, Lord Jesus. We pray with anticipation that lives will be transformed through it, Lord. For this morning, Jesus, as we talk about who you are and what you've done, would you open our hearts and would you open our minds? Would you help us to hear and to understand what you would want to say to us this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. I've, I've shared a little bit in the past before how a passion of mine, uh, some of you might call it a hobby, is, uh, is association football. Um, now, don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about uh, a club I deeply appreciate that is Bayern Munich. And I definitely won't be talking about Pastor Jamie's uh, devoted club, Manchester United. It is, it, is, it is ironic that they did play again this week. Um, but I won't talk about that. You can talk to Jamie about it if you want. But I will say, for both Jamie and I, please don't spoil today's matches for us because we're going to watch them on our own this afternoon. We play in our league, so don't go up to him and tell him the score. He will be very, he'll be very disappointed if you do. <laughs> um, but no, uh, in uh, 2003, after I graduated from Bible college, I took a trip to go and watch uh, Bayern Munich play in Germany. And it was a really incredible trip. There's lots I could tell you about it. But one of the things that was uh, really meaningful for me was being in those stadiums and seeing how people came together to support their club. And I also got to see Canada play Germany and seeing how people supported their country. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before in North American sports. And as I came home from that trip, I said, you know, I, I want to help bring that to Canada. I want that to happen in Canada. I knew it was sort of happening, but I was like, I want to get involved. And so 20 years ago, I got involved in the supporter community uh, here in the lower mainland with people who support local football clubs and people who support our national teams. And it's been a really meaningful thing to be in this community of people, uh, spending time together, doing all these kinds of things. And I've had all kinds of unique experiences that I would not have had if I was not a part of that community. And I won't bore you with all of them now, because I do want to share about one thing with you. Because in my experiences there, I've done a few things that I never thought I would do or I never thought I would be good at or useful at, maybe is the better way to say it. But one of the things, one of the roles that I've played, and this started about 12 years ago, is uh, I started to play the role of capo. Now, some of you who are like Pastor Matthew or musicians, you're like, Zach, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's capo. It's the thing you put on a guitar that, alter, uh, that uh, alternates the, the octaves or whatever. And yes, that is, a that is a capo. But in football, there's this term called capo. And the capo is the person or group of people who lead the singing. They lead the vocal support for the team. They lead the chanting. And typically, they stand at the front of the section, and they don't watch everything that happens in the game behind them. 
But they stand there and they lead. They try and unify all the voices in support of the club or support of the country, in support of the players. And so um, I've had a lot of fun doing this over the years. It's, it, it's more enjoyable than maybe it sounds <laughs> to you. And, and sometimes it's, I've done it with groups of tens of people, and I've done it for some Canada games where you're literally leading thousands of voices, and it's, and it's, it's fun, and it's different, and it's challenging, and, and all these kinds of different things. One of my favorite things to do as a capo is to lead chants in, uh, in a particular way that we call, there are a number of chants that we do that are called call and response chants, where you, you stand at the front, and you as the, the capo are calling out and the people are to respond to what you say. And uh, so you, you, you lead out and you invite a response from the people. And the most simple of these uh, are, are, are when you are calling something out and they are literally just saying back what you've said. There's some that are more complicated than that. Um, a week and a half ago, the Canadian women's national team was here. Uh, you might have heard of this. Christine, Christine Sinclair was playing her last ever game for Canada. She's retiring from the, the national team. And so it was great to be with a bunch of Canadian supporters and, and to be a, one of the capos for the game. And in, for Canada games, we have a really simple chant where, and this is going to sound really basic to you and maybe not meaningful, but it is meaningful when you're in the stadium, is the capo, you're literally just spelling out Canada. And so the capo is just like, C, and then everyone responds, C, and it like reverberates around. And then they're usually, if you, if you can, you, like a dramatic pause. Then A, and they're Oh, just, I, like, I like these people over here. These are my kind of people. I got to remember that. Anyways, you spell out Canada at the end, it ends. Everyone's like, Canada, Canada. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, when I spend time in this book, when I spend time praying, listening, and talking to God, when I spend time worshiping God, whether it's in a larger group or on my own, or when I come to a gathering like this, more often than not, my experience is that I hear God calling me. I hear God speaking to me, and I hear God inviting me to respond. And I share that at the beginning of our sermon time today because I believe that God is going to be speaking to us this morning. I believe he's going to be speaking to each one, literally, to each one of us. And he's going to be inviting you to respond. And now that response might look different, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But I just tell you that in anticipation, that I, that, that, so that you'll know that I think God wants to say something to you this morning, and he longs for you. He's inviting you to respond. Is, is that okay? Amen. Okay. Um, we're, uh, we're in the midst of our Advent series, and uh, thanks so much to Keegan and Jesse G., uh, for doing our Advent reading this morning. You guys are awesome. Um, Advent, of course, is the season where we're anticipating the arrival of, of, of the birth of Christ. We're ready to celebrate uh, the birth of Christ at Christmas. And typically when we do Advent, we, we look at these, usually every year it's like the same themes. Uh, this is probably exciting for Matthew to see. We're, we're doing something different. Um, but usually it's like hope, peace, joy, and love, right? And this year, uh, as, as you might have heard, what Keegan said there is we're actually looking at four, four things four aspects of our Christology, who we understand Jesus to be. And it's uh, these four aspects that we call the fourfold gospel, and they highlight these four significant perspectives of our Christology. Now, in the opening uh, of our series, Pastor Jamie very importantly said, look, this is not an ex ex exhaustive list of our understanding of who Jesus is, but these are some aspects that are kind of central to our understanding of who Jesus is. 
the fourfold gospel, the, the framing of these significant things uh, of who Jesus are, come to us from a gentleman named Albert Benjamin Simpson. Just real quick, if you know that name, put up your hand. I just want to see how many people know that name. It's not, if you don't know that name, don't, it's not a shame thing. I just want to see how many people know that, know that name. There's uh, Albert Benjamin Simpson. A.B. Simpson is a fascinating man um, uh, who has an, a very, very interesting story. And we're not going to uh, go through his whole story this morning, but there's a couple of things that I just want to highlight from, from what happened in his life that I think is meaningful. Um, Simpson was a Canadian pastor. He was born in, uh, on PEI. He did some ministering in Canada first before going down to the States. Uh, for a number of years, he was in Louisville, Kentucky, and then he ended up in New York City. And one of the things you need to know about Simpson is that he was spurred on, uh, he had this great passion, this great desire to meet and to be with Jesus. He longed to be with Jesus. And he strongly believed in what Matthew 24, 14 says. That's not on the screen, Dave. Don't, don't, don't panic back there. But Matthew 24, 14, which talks about hastening the return of Christ. It says that once the gospel has been proclaimed to all the peoples of the world, all the nations of the world, the end will come. And we'll be able to have this encounter with Christ. And so Simpson worked so hard. He was, when you read the stories of his life, he worked so incredibly hard. And uh, he started all kinds of ministries and different homes and houses and orphanages and healing things. All these different, there was all these things that he was doing that were either kind of a part of his church or in the community in which he was ministering to. And we won't talk about all of them, but there's two that are significant. Um, Simpson founded and gave leadership to two organizations. One was called the Evangelical Missionary Alliance. And that, of course, was obviously about spreading the good news of the gospel around the world. And the other was the Christian Alliance for pursuing what Simpson would call the deeper Christian life. Now, you need to know about Simpson, it was never his, he never had this like master plan where he's like, I want to start a denomination. <laughs> this, that's, that was not at the heart of who he was, and it was never his plan, it wasn't his desire. But people kept on coming to be a part of these things that he was leading, his church and these organizations, and it grew and grew and grew. And finally, in 1897, these two organizations kind of came together, the Evangelical Missionary Alliance and the Christian Alliance, to form the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which became a denomination, which is what Seven Oaks is a part of. It's the group of churches that we belong to. There's, again, lots more. We could talk about Simpson's life, and, and we don't have time for that today, but he's a fascinating character. So what are the fourfolds of, of this gospel? Again, Keegan kind of mentioned it briefly over there. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Jamie talked about how Jesus is our Savior. It's only through Jesus and his work on, his, on the cross that we can have our sin forgiven and thus have our relationship with God reconciled. Last week, Jamie talked about how Jesus is our sanctifier. He is the one who makes us holy. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, you are on somewhere on this journey of sanctification, of being sanctified, of being set apart. Uh, next time we get together, we're going to be in here on Sunday morning next week. We're going to be here twice next, next week on Sunday, but Sunday morning, if you come back, uh, Jamie's going to walk, walk us through Jesus as our coming king. But today, our focus is on uh, Jesus, our healer. Uh, this week, uh, I, was, uh, I visited my barber because I like to do that. I should do that probably more than I do. But I was hanging out with my barbers, uh, barbers, and as I was sitting in the chair, he, he said to me, he's like, oh, what, do you, what do you got going on this week? 
And so I said, uh, I said, oh, actually, I'm preaching on, on healing on Sunday morning in our service. And, um, and I asked him what his thoughts were on the subject of healing. Now, you need to know about my barber. He, he isn't a follower of Jesus, uh, but we've had lots of great conversations o- over the years, and uh, he's really open to conversations. And he said to me something on the lines of this. He said, I'm thankful for the parts of my body that heal themselves. He said, it's really cool that there are parts of us that literally like regenerate themselves, like the skin and certain other parts. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, or whatever, but there's parts of us that re- regenerate, right? He said, I, he said, I think that's really, really cool. And I said to him, I said, yeah. I said, it's really cool how we were made. And before I could walk that any further uh, down that path, uh, he changed the conversation. I thought, okay, I'm not going to push it, but I want to come back to this conversation in the future. When we're talking about Jesus as our healer, I think we need to ask the question, what, what do we mean by, by that? What do we mean by healing? Um, and I think it's really important to say that we're talking about divine healing. We're talking about healing that comes from God. Yeah, we, we play some roles in this, and we'll talk a little bit about this. Like, you know, God longs for us to ask him for healing. The Bible tells us, as, as we'll see later, that we need to have faith. We need to believe that, that God can heal us, that God will heal us. But those are not the things that heal us. It is only God who does the healing. Mildred Erickson, in his Dictionary of, the, the Christian, of Christian Theology, describes healing this way. The restoration of health, whether physical, mental, uh, or spiritual. I think this word restoration is uh, really important, really significant. Healing is the restoring of something back to its original state. God is all about restoration. As we read the story of Scripture, we see that from Genesis 3 onward, from the original sin coming and bringing this brokenness in relationship between God and humanity and so much other destruction, that God is working to try and restore the brokenness that exists between us and him. We see examples of this. As we, as you, if you read Scripture, you see, we see so many examples of this. We even see references to God's healing work in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Here's a couple examples. In the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Uh, this is God talking to, to Moses. This is for the, the people of Israel. He says, uh, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals. In other words, I am Yahweh, the healer. Jumping to the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, we read this. When evening came, uh, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, him being Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. As you read uh, the story of Jesus, uh, he heals a lot. There are many examples in the Gospels of Jesus healing people. And he heals all kinds of different things, different diseases and maladies and conditions. He gives the blind their sight. He makes the lame walk. He, He stops people from bleeding. He heals those who were dealing with possession. And he even resurrects people from the dead, just to name a couple of them. He also, it's interesting when you look at Jesus because he doesn't always do it in the exact same way. There's not like a formula where A plus B, whatever, and then healing happens. No, Jesus, it happens with Jesus in different ways. 
Sometimes it's simply verbal. Jesus gives a command and someone is restored. Someone is, is healed. Other times they touch him or they even touch his clothing and they're healed. And then there's this one time where he takes some mud and he spits on it and he puts it on the, the person and they're healed. It's crazy. You can't, um, you can't look at Jesus' story and not notice this is a significant part of what he does. Jesus' ministry is marked by healing. God is continuing his restorative work in and through the life of his son. So one question that one might ask then is that's cool for in the Bible. It was cool in Jesus' time this happened. But what about today? Does Jesus, does God still heal today? Well, we can trace uh, things back. Um, we see from Jesus' time going forward, we see how healing continues. The disciples are given a ministry of healing, and sometimes they're more successful at it than others. Um, and then after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, the, of course, the, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And, um, and then they go on, they do a bunch of healing as we read a book of, the book of Acts. Paul, Paul talks about how healing is one of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, um, 28. But as we, as we read through Scripture, we come to see of, of, where, of where the source of healing comes from. And we heard, it, uh, we heard this verse in our Advent as well. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. In the, in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 24, puts it this way. He says, uh, he himself bore our sins. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Again, by his wounds, we have been healed. If you want to know what we believe as a church, what the Christian Missionary Alliance as, uh, as a denomination believes in our day and age, it's on our a statement of faith. You can find this on our website. It says this, on the, there's a whole section on healing. It says, healing, uh, under healing, it says, provision is made in the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the healing of the mortal body. Prayer for the sick and anointing with oil as taught in the scriptures are privileges for the church in this present age. We are divinely healed because of the work of Christ on the cross. Who, who here, and you, you don't have to, you can be as shy as you want, but who here has experienced healing themselves in some way, shape, or form? Who here knows someone who's experienced healing? Okay, there's a number in this room. J this morning, Jamie was trying to encourage me for this morning. He said, hey, a couple weeks ago, we were praying for, for someone, and they they came to me this week and said, hey, here's an update. I've been experiencing healing in, in what you prayed for. Um, I, I, there's, uh, there's a lot of stories I could talk about healing, and none of them are about my, me, really, but they're about how God's been at work. Um, one, and I won't tell this story in all the detail it deserves, but uh, one is the story of, uh, of my wife. My wife was born with, uh, with a, a heart uh, defect, a heart condition, uh, and her whole life feels like, uh, like a, a healing process that God has had on her. Like God has had his healing hand on her life. She could tell you so many stories. She's had four open heart surgeries. She's had the conduit, her valve replaced like I think two or three, at least three times. 
I'm going to get that wrong and be told later. Um, but, but, uh, and I've only been around for one of them. I've only been around for one of them. It was three weeks after we got married, she had open-heart surgery. Again, it's a really long story. Lots happened, lots of complications, lots of praying, lots of, lots of waiting on the Lord. I remember being at the hospital when the doctor came out. It was, it was supposed to be, I was hanging out with, with Diane, my mother-in-law. It was supposed to be a five to seven hour surgery, and it was over nine. And I remember at one point the doctor, the surgeon coming out and, and talking to me and just saying, look, we don't know what's gonna happen, and, and even if Cheryl makes it through this, there can be some significant damage in, in some specific ways. And I remember just being like, okay, uh, I, we need to keep praying. I remember the, I was an intern at Coquilma Alliance. Cheryl's uh, family were part of Coquilma Alliance Church. I remember the elders coming. Pastor Mark Francisco coming to the hospital. And, and no one was allowed to see Cheryl, but we were in the waiting room praying for God to heal her. And again, I could tell you more stories about what happened in those weeks uh, following that and how God had his healing hand upon her. Amen, yeah. But um, her life is like an example of, of healing. I want to share one other story with you about, about healing that I've experienced. And it's a little bit more recent. I will say this about my wife. Uh, after she had the, this, this last surgery, they, they put in a, it's a, she has like a pig's valve in her, in her heart or whatever. And every 18 to 24 months, she goes back for a checkup. And the, the, um, they say it's supposed to last, I forget the time, like something like 8 to 12 years or something. And so... Whenever she has these appointments, we pray a lot, a lot about this. And that was like 20 years ago, or over 20 years ago. And it's still the same one, and it's still going. And we're just so thankful for how God's been at work in her life. One other, one other story of healing I want to share with you. I talked at the beginning about how there's been many blessings about being involved in, um, in, the, in the football community, in the, in the soccer community, in the lower mainland. Um, it's really amazing when you, when you spend like... Uh, Hours and hours on a on a cold in a, in a cold warehouse on the floor painting giant banners, or you you sit in a car or an airplane or a boat traveling to away games with people. How they share their stories with you, and how they invite you to share your stories with them. And um, one of the one of, so I've made many many deep meaningful friends over the years in this community, and it's allowed me to. Um, to speak into people's lives. I've, I've, I've walked with people as they've lost loved ones. I've been invited to officiate a number of, of weddings of my friends in the football community and be there for these big moments in their life. Uh, one, one dude, one a gentleman I want to tell you about, his name is Will. I met Will in 2014. And uh, Will came, the first time I remember meeting Will, he came to a cold warehouse to do some painting on a really cold floor to hang out with us, and uh, Will kind of just fit in right away. He had gifts and talents that uh, helped um, help us do what we were doing better and more efficiently and more professionally and all these things, and, and Will did a lot of heavy lifting for us in this, this, this community I was a part of. Uh, about a year or two after knowing Will, uh, Will met a young lady named Naomi, and um, well, I shouldn't, Will's like my age, so young is relative, I guess. But um, middle-aged, he's middle-aged, she's middle-aged, whatever. Will met a woman named Naomi. And after dating for a year or two, Will and Naomi got married. Now, when Will met Naomi, she had some, she had some health issues. Um, she was, she was, there were some things going on in her life. But in the spring of 2022, I got a message from Will. And it was one of those heartbreaking messages where he's like, we've been told that Naomi has cancer. And Will was like, dude, can you, can you pray about this? And I said, Will, of course, of course I can pray. And tried to to say some words that were meaningful to him. I talked to him on the phone. And, 
whatever. So we started to pray. Um, our family was praying for Will. Uh, our pastoral team was praying for Will. Our young adults group was faithfully praying for Will and, sorry, more for, so more for Naomi than Will, but we were, we were praying for Naomi and Will together. We were praying that God would have his, his healing hand upon her. And um, it was about two and a half or three months later, and Will sent me this text. He said, <clears throat> just left the doctors. All I can say is it's a miracle. And all our prayers were answered. No sign of cancer. Doctor described it as melting away and remarkable. No course of action, but uh, he is going to meet with us in a few months to check, uh, check in. We are stunned. Thank you so much for your prayers. Um, uh, to this day, uh, Naomi is, is cancer-free. She's, like I said, she has some other health issues. And um, even right now, Will describes Naomi as being in the best health of her life in the time that he's known her. And um, so, yeah, we just give all glory and honor and praise to God. And I'm sure, I'm sure in a room like this, there are many people who have stories like that of how God has, has healed in, uh, in powerful ways. Um, this is, that's maybe the exciting side of, of healing, right? Of, of hearing those answers to prayer. But there's also the other side. I think we need to ask the question, what does it mean when we don't receive the healing we ask for from God? This is an important question that we need to look at, that we need to examine. Praying for healing, I believe, is like uh, our other prayer requests that we make to the Lord. God will answer, usually in one of three ways, I find. It's either yes, no, or not yet. A few years ago, uh, I was on the journey of, of ordination, and I, one of the papers that I had to write was on, was on healing. And uh, during my research for that paper, uh, I came across the writing of one of the members of our church family. Many of you uh, will know uh, Dave Jeffrey. Dave uh, had been a missionary doing Bible translation for just under two decades, and then he worked at CanIL, at uh, the Canadian Institute of Linguistics uh, on the campus at Trinity Western in Langley. Dave was diagnosed with ALS. And many times, by many groups of people, Dave was prayed for. As a part of his journey, Dave uh, began to write about kind of some things he was going through and, and then he was processing. And it started with an article and then it became, it became a book. Uh, Dave wrote a book. And it's entitled, While We Pray for Miracles, God Gives Us Grace, A Personal and Theological Response to, the, to God's Ways. And in the article and in this book, um, Dave says this, when God demonstrates a strong preference for grace over miracles, who are we to disagree? We can celebrate this grace rather than live in disappointment when miracles don't happen. Dave didn't experience the miraculous healing that he asked for, but he did receive an abundance of God's grace. Dave's understanding and personal experience uh, of, of what, all that he went through, I think are in line with uh, that of the Apostle Paul and what he experienced. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us that 
he had this thorn in his flesh, and we could spend a lot of time talking about what that might have been, but we don't know. And he tells us that multiple times he asked God to remove this from him, to take this from him, and yet God didn't. And in verse 9 of chapter 12, we read this. But he, that is God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The restorative work that God is doing in our lives and in our physical bodies might not see completion this side of eternity. We know from passages in Scripture like 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 15 that we will have new and heavenly bodies. And again, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but we won't this morning. So if we don't receive physical healing when we ask in this life, we can press into God's grace and allow him to work through whatever type of weakness that we may have. Now, obviously, that's a lot easier said um, than done, but I think we have some really powerful examples and role models for us as a community. We have the Apostle Paul, and we have Dave, our brother, our brother Dave Jeffrey. The, uh, the healing, one other thing I want to say is the healing uh, that we see in Scripture uh, that we've talked about, a lot of it, we think about it as physical healing. But um, like Erickson said in his definition, um, healing is more than physical. And one of the great things that we come to understand as we read the Word of God is that God cares about all of us. He doesn't just care about your soul. He just doesn't want your soul. He loves all of you because he created all of you. You're created in his image, and he longs for healing and wholeness for all of you. One of the stories in the life of Jesus where I think this shines through in a special way is in the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a a guy that no one wanted to hang out with, right? No one would spend time with him. No one would... No, he didn't have the relational connections that we all need, that God made us for. And so when Jesus is, is visiting Zacchaeus, who's a short dude, goes up in a tree, and Jesus sees him, uh, what does Jesus say to him? Come down and what? Yeah. Jesus says, let's go to your house and hang out. And I think in that moment is the beginning of this healing that happens in Zacchaeus' life. Yes, there are other things happening. Again, we won't go into all the details of the story, but I think he experienced an emotional, relational healing that was incredibly powerful. And I believe that in this room, yeah, there are probably some of us who have some physical things that we'd love for God to heal. But I guess there's just as many or maybe more who have emotional things or, that we would long for God to heal. I, um, I, I know, too, we have... I know we have, a, we have a great partnership with Joshua House. We have a number of dudes here from Joshua House who are on this journey of freedom, right, of getting free from addiction. I believe that addiction is something that God wants to heal. All the wounds and all the scarring of addiction, God wants to heal them. Last Sunday uh, in our home, there was some great 9 to 12 uh, students hanging out with their leaders for what we call breakout night. And one of their leaders was a guy named Jared. And some of you have seen Jared before. He shared his story. He's been baptized here. And Jared uh, was sharing with the guys his, kind of his testimony. And um, as he was sharing parts of his story, it was really awesome to hear him talk about how God has been doing this healing work in his life. 
And this Monday, he came to arm, to hang out at arm, and receive his two-year sobriety pin as a symbol of how God has been at work in his life in a powerful way. This Tuesday, I was hanging out at Young Adults, and Peter Wolf, who you, some of you have heard his story. He shared his story quite a while ago here, how God had his hand on him physically, saved him physically many times in his story, in his journey. And I uh, was hanging out with him this week, and again, he was talking about how he's so thankful for what God is doing and what God continues to do and the healing that continues to happen in his life as he follows Jesus in community. God wants to heal us in so many, uh, so many different ways. And so as we come to the end of our time together, uh, these are the questions for, for you. How is God calling you this morning? What, what is God saying to you this morning? And how will you respond? I think that there are uh, a, number of, a number of things that uh, you, you could, uh, ways you can answer this. Um, so maybe listen for the one that's maybe for you. If you're here and you haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus, I think God wants to heal you spiritually by forgiving you for your sin. And all he longs for you to do is for you to say, yeah, I'm a sinner, and I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and I want to follow you. It's what Jamie talked about in week one. Jesus is our Savior. So if you're here this morning, that's you. I think that might be how God is, is calling out to you. Um, for others, uh, you might have some healing that you want, you long to have happen in your body. And God might be calling to you to say, ask me. Ask me to heal you. Again, it might be physical, it might be emotional, but he, he's asking you to ask him for healing. Um, for some of you, that call might be, God wants you to pray for someone. There's someone in your life who needs healing. Again, physical, emotional, whatever. And God wants you to pray for them. Will you respond by praying for them? There's some of you who are here who you've been asking, God, please heal me. And this morning, um, this morning, what way God is calling to you is saying, please receive my grace. Receive my grace over the miraculous today. Know that I am sufficient for you. And uh, the last one is, is this, and this is from Mark 9. Dave, you want to go to Mark 9? Um, Mark 9 is a story. Jesus has just come off the, the mount from being transfigured, and he finds this disagreement happening. And there's this man there, and he's like, your disciples weren't able to... To, to take out this, this demon that's in my son. And he's talking to Jesus, and he's kind of like, Jesus, if you can, please, please do this. And Jesus is like, if I can. <laughs> and the, the, fa the father's response is this. He immediately, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. For some of you this morning, what God is saying to you is, Believe in me. Believe in my power to heal you. Believe in my power to heal the person that is on your heart. So for some of you, your response to God this morning might simply be this. It might simply be, God, help me with my unbelief. Um, we're gonna I'm going to read one last passage of Scripture. Uh, as we close our service, Matthew and team, you guys can come. And... Um, this is uh, from James chapter 5. And um, James talks a little bit about how we, how we might go about being healed. And it says this in James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. It says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. 
Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any, or sorry, and the, oh, sorry, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm going to pray for us. Matthew's going to lead us in a time, uh, one more song, um, which is a great song. Um, I'm really excited for this song. But um, if you need to talk to someone, if you need someone to pray for you to be healed, we have people here who'd love to pray with you. You can come to the front here. Uh, the prayer room is open over there in the corner. Uh, or you can just grab someone, maybe even you know, and ask them to pray for you. But this is what I'll say is please don't leave today without knowing what God is calling you to and choosing to respond to it. Pray with me. Lord, we, we love you so much. And we're so thankful that you created us. You created us in your image. You created us for this relationship with you. We thank you so much that you have done so much to restore the brokenness in our relationship with you. That you sent your son to die on the cross that our sin might be forgiven. And that through the work of Christ on the cross, we can also, in addition to experiencing spiritual healing, Lord, we can also experience physical and emotional and mental healing as well, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that each heart that's here, each heart that's watching this or listening to this, Lord, that they would know what you are saying to them, that they would know how you are calling out to them. And I pray that they would take the bold step of choosing to respond. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, whatever's going on, that they would respond to what you're saying to them, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in this place and that you would do your work. Be with us in this time. In your name we pray. Amen.